Amen. Well, he ought to because I did it for him for all those eight years. <laughs> we love Miss Rod and Pastor Altos. For all of you that are visiting, I would. Laura and I were absolutely, and our children were absolutely honored to be able, right out of Bible college, we went to their church. To help them. I don't know how much help we gave them, but we sure had a desire to help them. But we worked with Pastor Altizer and Miss Ryder for almost eight years. And we were green. We didn't know a thing. Coming right out of Bible college, I'd never, I hadn't even, I wasn't even a Baptist growing up. And uh, so everything was new to me. And uh, I appreciate Pastor and Miss Ryder. They taught us so much. I remember um, probably the first, first week I was there, we had a couple in the church have a baby. He called me up. He said, come on, we're going to go down here to the hospital. We're going to encourage his family. And man went down there, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I just followed him. And then, then same week, later on that week, Miss Persinger died. Yeah. And he said, come on. He said, we got to go comfort this family. Well, we went over there to their house, and Laura and I, we was a nervous wreck. We didn't know what to say to them. But I'll tell you what, watching them and how they cared and loved for those people and how they were there taught us so very much. And so we appreciate him. So, Pastor, you want to say something before you sing? He's going to sing one of my favorite songs. How many of y'all know the old song, Ship Ahoy? Pastor had a friend, and his name was Bill Burr. Brother Mike knows Brother Bill, knew Brother Bill. He's in heaven now. But, boy, Brother Bill could sing his song, but I'll tell you what, I, I like the way Pastor sings. You know, I told Pastor Mark whenever... He was talking about uh, what the Lord was planning for him. And I said, listen, son, I want to tell you right now, you got it made right where you're at. <laughs> I said, think about it, Mark. You got it made. You don't have no responsibility. <laughs> right? down here a year and he called me up one day and said, Pastor, I wish I'd listened to you. <laughs> but I had it made. Uh, but I'm proud of Mark, Brother Mark and Miss Laura. They they feel like my own youngins. I love them. And Kaylee, bless her heart. I could tell you some stories about Kaylee and Clay. Uh, but those, those kids watch them grow up and to see that little bride yesterday, she was beautiful. I'm telling him that smile. She's got the best Colgate smile I ever seen. But uh, she might be crying this morning. But... <laughs> I hope she. I said I hope she's not the runaway bride. <laughs> but bless her heart. She she blessed me and this family. It means so so much to me. And many times we've been requested to sing this song. I cannot do it like Bill Burr, uh, but he didn't sing it and like it any better than what I like Amen. singing. I mean, I enjoy it. There's a, such a great message in this song, and uh, I just love it. And pray for me that I can do it. And Miss Laura, if you'll give me an intro, we'll get on to it, all right? <laughs> Oh. 
Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that so, so very much. And uh, I told I told everybody, Pastor, Miss Ryder, they're like 
My, I love my mother and father. They're, they're backsliding today. They're plumb mudder in the back. <laughs> but uh, I love them. But, you know, I, I told Lord just the other day, I said, I, I think I told Brother Jimmy that. I said, I tell you what, I view Pastor Miss Rada just like my mom and dad. And uh, they've been a great blessing. They're definitely our parents in the ministry. Like I said, we were green and uh, nervous. I, I never forget on a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday evening when church was supposed to take place. And this is a little bit of a, a little bit of a lesson if everybody will get a hold of it. There was a young man in our church, he was a teenager, and he went in church at night. And he was out riding around, and he got in a very bad wreck. And uh, I never forget, a preacher had to preach, and church was getting her going. He said, Brother Pastor Mark, you're going to have to go up there to the hospital. And you're going to have to go up there and be with him. And I looked at him and I said, Well, what do I do? <laughs> what do I say? And he taught me a valuable lesson. He said, Pastor Mark, you don't have to say anything. It's just you being there. And uh, I appreciate it. We learned so much from them. And I want you to open your precious Bible this morning, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I, I preached this message on purpose this morning, and it's going to be a little bit of a testimony. I, I believe that that's biblical as well. I know the Apostle Paul, in many of his writings, he introduced himself, and he told a little bit about his story. I think everybody has a story. Someone might say, well, Pastor Mark, I can't witness to somebody else. Yes, you can. Everybody has a story. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have a story. You know what life was like before him, before you met him. No, I'm not for glamorizing that lifestyle, but people ought to understand that you were lost without the Lord. But then when you met the Lord, there's when your story just picked up. So you can tell people a little bit about what your life was before you met the Lord and then you can tell people what it meant to you when you met the Lord and then you can always share with people your story, what he has meant to you and what your life is now that you have met him. Everybody has that story if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, one of the things that people can really relate to is I'm going to tell you something right now. When everything gets quiet at night and everyone goes to bed and your life is narrowed down between just you and God. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up and all through my life, when I would go to bed at night, when everything else was still, my life was always on display just between me and God. And there were many times that I thought about my life more importantly then than any other time of the day. And I know that happens, and so I know many people are lost. They'll go to bed at night, and they'll start to thinking about what would happen to me if I die. I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus Christ uses that to bring you to a place in your life to trust Him. Yes. He uses that in a time of your life to understand that life really is brief, and life needs to be blessed. And I want you to know something. It will be blessed if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I want you to know here in Ephesians chapter 6, I share this with you today because I believe in the time in which we live in. I think it's necessary. I think, again, as I said, many of you are visiting with us. I think it's important that you understand what kind of a church family you've stepped into with. And obviously, we believe that everything, I believe that as Brother Nate was teaching the class today, you know, there's a lot of people that help around here and we're all trying to serve the Lord, but obviously there's always a leader. I don't care where you go, what you do, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be a leader. 
And I think it's important, and by the way, your leader here is, is a flawed man. He's a human. And by the way, I've made many mistakes in my life. But I want you to know, I think it's important that you get to understand and know the heart of the leader. By the way, I think this is a good time, just to mention just a moment, we have three deacons here. These are three good men. They're servants. And uh, they're, they're always available. Now, uh, Brother Jimmy's sitting in the back, Brother Milford's right here, and Brother Jim Beeler is serving right now in the children's ministry in the other building. And these three men have been great encouragements to me. They've been a great blessing to me. They have been great blessings. And I'm not just saying that publicly. When we go over there in my office and have a meeting, we have a very uh, familiar spirit. We, we're on the same page. And so I, I think it's important that people understand that there's uh, nothing under the scenes here where there's anything of any uh, struggle there. Of course, if they're having meetings without me, I don't know about it, amen? <laughs> but I know enough about them and their character. They're strong enough. If they had a meeting, they'd call me and have me there with them. And I think that's important to church to realize that there's unity in the leadership of the church. Now, listen to me. That could change tomorrow, and I'm not saying because... Uh, they're bad men or I'm a bad man, but I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's always at work and we need to guard our relationships here and that goes for everybody. We have to guard our relationships. And by the way, we have to give each other grace. We have to give each other grace. When you bring a group of people together to get a work done, we all have different preferences. I looked out on the parking lot this morning, not everybody was driving Fords. Not everybody was driving Chevys. So everybody has different preferences. So it's an amazing thing when you bring a group of people together and God's done this and bring a group of people with different preferences, different likes, different dislikes, different tastes. And it's amazing how God brings those people together. But see, here's what's beautiful about it. Our, our common denominator is the Lord Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. But I say all of that, we have to give each other grace. We have to extend grace to one another. Why? I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. We're not perfect people, so we're going to have to give each other grace. But having the church family is absolutely beautiful. And I can't even imagine people trying to live on this planet and go through it all and not have a church family. So I cannot stress to you this morning how important it is for you to belong to a church family. And so I want to just give you some instruction here this morning that I pray that will help us. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says this in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now notice this verse. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Notice this. Again, here's the theme. And having done all to stand, Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, 
taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is, a, which is the Word of God praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now I want you to notice most people when they read about the armor of God they stop with verse 17. But verse 18 is just as much a part of our warfare arsenal. The Bible says we are to pray, and then the Bible says we are to watch. Again, as I said a moment ago, we have to be, we have to be watchful. We have to extend grace. We have to guard our relationships. We have to guard our personal Christian walk with the Lord. Now, I want you to notice verse 11. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Notice that. Mark it if you would. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Then again in verse 13, I want you to notice the word withstand, that we'll be able to withstand in the evil day. And then notice again that phrase, and having done all to stand. Then notice verse 14, stand therefore. So how many of y'all think it's important that we stand? Now I want to just preach this message this morning just very simply. We're going to stand. We're going to stand. You hear me, church? We're going to stand. Now, I need this just as much as you do this morning because you know what? Not everybody is standing with us. And sometimes the people that choose not to stand where we stand makes it even more difficult. And it makes it more heartbreaking. But we're going to stand. Now, I want to say this morning, we're going to stand. Put this in the fleshly tablet of your heart. We should never be ashamed to be people that hold Bible convictions. We should never be ashamed by, that we are people that hold to Bible convictions. We should never be ashamed. We're living in a day now where I notice churches like ours many times we kind of put our heads down a little bit because of the groups changing and maybe the scenery is changing. So we put our heads down and we say, well, you know, yeah, this is, we still believe this. We should never be ashamed by being people that believe the Bible. It's our time to stand. It's time for us to stand consistently. By the way, this up and down stuff, this moving back and forth and this and this and that. Now listen, I want to just make a statement here just a moment. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. By the way, we're going to sin. That's not our desire to sin, but again, the Bible tells us here we have to stand because we understand that we're dealing with not just flesh and blood, we're struggling against spiritual darkness. But I want to tell you something else too. Our greatest enemy, I look at him every morning. A lot of times, as Nate said this morning, we blame a lot of stuff on the devil, and it's not the devil. It's us. It's me. My flesh. My, listen to me. My flesh and your flesh, it craves. It craves to do wrong. It craves to do it. And we've got into a society now where we're making excuses for it. But we have to be sensitive to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit of God when He convicts us of sin. 
I've never forgotten about last month or two months ago, Brother Sam at the prayer breakfast, Brother Larry Sexton, and he must be preaching somewhere this morning, one of the most godliest men I know. Been in the ministry for many, many years. And Brother Larry, we had a prayer breakfast. And he gives a testimony at the prayer breakfast, and he said, I've sinned against the Lord. Well, I'm sitting there in my mind thinking, well, these men in here, probably some of them think, oh my goodness, what's he done? And I'm sitting there thinking, boys, it ain't what you think. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to be sensitive to sin. You know what it was? He said a cross word to one of the sales associates at Walmart. He was convicted over the thing. And he even went so far to say in the prayer room, or we were over there praying, he said, you know what, gentlemen, sometimes the hardest thing is to forgive yourself. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm under conviction because I'm sitting here, dear God, I don't even know if I'd have given that a second thought if I got sharp with someone working at Walmart. But the truth is this. When the Holy Spirit of God convicts us, that's a good thing. But it's our time to stand consistently. Can I say, this is important to me, we must stand compassionately. I'm done with the mean-spirited group. That repulses me, and I think it repulses the Lord. I believe there is a way that we can stand on truth and not be a jerk about it. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. I believe we've tried very hard to balance that here. We have to stand in our day, but we must stand consistently, we must stand compassionately, but can I say we must stand continually. There's no time that we let up. When I say stand, we've got to stand on biblical truth. We have to stand on biblical principles. We have to stand on what the Lord leads us to do, and we need to stand upon God's principles and God's convictions. Now, can I say, God's plan is for every generation to stand so they can teach that same body of truth to the next generation. See, if we don't stand, and by the way, I'm seeing cracks now. I'm seeing cracks now where people used to stand. And now it's not as popular anymore. And by the way, our convictions, if they're from the Bible, it doesn't even mean matter if our children change. They're ours. We didn't get them from our children. I didn't get them from my Bible college. I got them from God. And I know people don't understand that today. And they must say, oh, well, you're just holding on. No, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. And I'm going to pray that people will, will let the Lord help them and speak to their heart. But we have to be consistent. And we, By the way, if I stood for something that was from the Bible 20 years ago, it's still true today. We continue. We have to continue. We must stand. And listen, here's why. Here's why. 
if we vary in any way, shape, or form, the next generation pays for it. If you shoot rifles, my brother-in-law and Derek, they're very good rifle shooters, man. I, they know all of that stuff about the ballistics, but I, I do know this. And Mike, man, when we go and shoot a gun, it used to be, man, if you hit a pie plate, I'm good. <laughs> if my bullet hit inside that pie plate, oh, it's in. But with, you go shoot a rifle in with Mike, man, I'm going to tell you right now, no, we're going to get that thing in just right, Mark. And I'm glad, and I'm going to tell you all this right now, I'm going to brag on my gun just a little bit. He took me up there, and I'm telling you, what was that, Mike? What's that called? That half-inch thing I shot. Sub-MOA. Any of y'all know what sub-MOA means? Pretty good. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, if that was me going up there to shoot, I wouldn't have cared if it was sub-MOA. If it was within three inches, I was good putting it in the truck. Because here, I'm a cheapskate. I didn't want to waste the bullet. Them things are expensive. But y'all know, if you're going to sight your rifle in, from zero to that door, it won't matter a whole lot. But if you got off maybe a half an inch there, you go way down the line. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. It's way off. It's the same with truth. When we start not standing, we start not to stand for biblical truth, the next generation. So we have to stand compassionately, consistently, continually, because it's God's plan that we pass on to every child, the next generation, truth. Now I want to share from my heart. Look, I'm 49 years old. Some people are just smart, Alex. Amen. <laughs> God's led my life. I've failed in a lot of ways, but we're here because I believe we try to be sensitive to the Lord's leading in our life. Pastor's right. We love West Virginia. That was our home. We, I never thought we would leave there. But because we were trying to be led by convictions and by the word of God. And that's how God's led me. He's given us convictions. And by the way, they're not man-made convictions. I believe they're principles from the Bible. Amen. They wasn't given to me by my college. And I'm going to say this. The place that I went to school, it helped me in some of those. They, they could have strengthened me in some of those. But they didn't give me my convictions. They didn't give me my beliefs. And by the way, I shouldn't give you or give, give you be the reason you have your belief. My beliefs and what I stand for didn't come from some group. Um, they're mine. And by the way, I'm thankful they're not just mine. I believe we have a group here that we call a Tiftonian Baptist Church that the same beliefs that I have, you have. Amen. So, I was raised in a Christian home. My mother and father made me go to church. There was a time my father, for a little time of his life, got out of church, 
But I will say this, and that's why I want to encourage all of you moms. That's why someone in that family should always stand. Because my mother never wavered. She made me and my sister go to church. She felt it important. It was vital for our lives and her life. And by the way, thank God, God honored all of that because it wasn't long after that. My dad got back in and one of the greatest Christian men I know. I was raised in a non-denominational church. Good people. Wonderful people. My whole base, my whole solid foundation was because of those people. Yes, we had some variations that we differed in, that I would differ with them now. wouldn't fight over it. But they were in a church that had a plurality of elders. In other words, that's a very big thing today. I'm not going to argue and fight with someone if they have a priority elders. By the way, I want to say this. We have elders here. They might not be called an elder, but I'm going to tell you all right now, the three men that I just mentioned to you all a minute ago that were deacons, yes, they're deacons, but they're, they're elders around here. We've got some other men that are elder men around here. I mean, I, they might not have the, oh, there's Elder Smith. No, he's a godly man, and you do good to be around him. And by the way, I want to say this. A pastor has accountability. I know I do. So it's not a dictatorship, but there is a leader. But I do think, but I grew up in a church where there was a plurality of elders. Now, there was one man, I don't care what anybody says, there was one man out of that group of elders that led. And I would consider him my pastor. He was a godly man. And I, I'm thankful for my upbringing. And by the way, I, I was raised knowing and hearing the gospel. I was saved at the age of five. I was under conviction. I, we came in and our pew was the second row from the back on this right side. That's where we always sat. And I know my mom and dad don't like me saying this, but we always came in late. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> One time my mother and I got there early on a Sunday night. It was early. We got there early. It was 10 or 15 minutes early. And y'all say, no, Mark, you're telling, this is preaching. No, I'm telling you the truth. And I kind of thought it was weird. We walk in there and I plop down in the second row in the back. Mom sits down with me. We're sitting there and all of a sudden she looks up at the clock. She's like, oh, Mark, let's go. And I'm like, what for? She said, let's go. We're early. We went back to the house because we lived across the street and walked back in late. Right at home. That was normal. I remember going into church on Sunday morning and there was a little lady there and she had a speech impediment and this is what she always asked every time I walked in the door. She said, you got your Bible? She said, you got your Bible? And every, I, I hate to tell you, every Sunday morning I looked at her and said, no. And every morning, here's what she'd say to me. Shame, shame, shame. Y'all got your Bible? Good. Change, change, change. You say, Pastor, why are you saying this? I'm trying to let you know people are real and people grow and people are led in their life. There's influences in people's lives. That is another reason why it is so important that everybody has a home church. I got out of the will of God. 
I met a beautiful lady. We got married. We had a very rough marriage. To be quite honest, it was a bad marriage. I was a bad husband. I was a very selfish person. And through all of that, God worked in my heart. To be quite honest with you, for the first time in my life as an adult, my struggle in marriage drove me for the first time in my life to look for the answers of my problems in the Bible. It was the first time in my life that I as an adult ever looked in the Bible. For the first time in my life, I said, I've got to get me some help. So I got in the Bible. Guess what? It helped me. And in that very defining time in my life where God was molding me and chipping away, it was a very painful process. My brother-in-law, Mike Wood, and again, I say all of this, not to brag on people, I'm, I'm trying to get something across. He was in our life, he was in my life. God was working in his heart, and he was a great influence in my life. I say all of this to say, again, it's important. The influence in your life is important. Both ways. If it's the wrong kind of influence, that's very important too. If it's the right kind of influence, it's important as well. And I know that I held personally loose convictions. I held very loose convictions. I would not have been someone that would have said, oh man, Mark believes what he believes now. No, I'm going to tell you what. I would argue with you if you took a stronger stand than me. I used to love to argue. Love to argue. And you know what? I would look at people like us. Here's what I'd say. Oh, they're just holier than thou. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But y'all know what happened? My loose Bible convictions caught up to me. Because I didn't really stand for anything, I could fall for anything. Because I didn't have strength, and by the way, that's what convictions are. Bible convictions are a strength to your life. They're barriers. That's why it very concerns me, all these young people trying to tear all these barriers down. And here's what they want to call it these days is legalism. Very dangerous. Because you see the end of that thing. You watch their life and here it does. It just continues to trickle down until where they can't even see themselves. So biblical principles is safe. We have a, we have a Dalmatian dog. I love that thing. I found out something else. My mother-in-law, he's falling in love with my mother-in-law. And I think she's kind of fond of him. But I've learned something about, I watched him this morning when I put him out. We have a fence. Well, our neighbor sets dogs all the time. It's funny, you know, Domino is probably knocking 40 pounds. He's a big old boy. And uh, there was a little basset hound over in the yard. Of the, and I watched him this morning. And, and old Domino come over and he, he was real, well, he stood up real strong. And he seen that other dog. And about that time, that old dog just went, boom, bam. Domino done tucked that tail, bam, shot through the door. 
scared him to death. I said, you big chicken. But you know what Domino was thankful for? That fence. And you know what people's trying to tear down all the time? They're trying to tear down the fence of the word of God. Say, I don't like these walls. I don't like these walls. I don't like these boundaries. You better be thankful for boundaries that keep your life safe. You won't wake up in the morning afraid and scared and absolutely broken because what you broke the night before. It caught up to me, church. I was a broken man. At the age of 21, God started to break me, started to mold me. As Kevin and them were singing, thank you for the valleys. I hated the valleys I was in, but now looking back, I thank God for them because really it's when God was starting to work. At the age of 21, I'll never forget it, on November the 7th, I was, uh, God was working in my heart. and God, uh, I, I surrendered my life and I went to Bible college. I'll never forget it. It was November the 7th of 1996. My grandfather had passed away, my mother's dad. I was standing at the coffin of his visitation. On November the 7th, 1996, look at me. Almost, it will be 27 years this November. Mr. Pilkington looked at me at the coffin of my grandfather and said, you need to speak at church Sunday night. I preached my first sermon on November the 7th, 1996. It will be 27 years this November. And the same things I believed then, I believe now. Amen. Now, I will say this. I hope I've matured a little bit. I hope. I hope I've learned some more. I hope that we've been able to refine some of our beliefs and convictions and maybe make them a little more palatable. But I just want you to know something. Truth is not always palatable. My convictions about the church, I'm passionate about. I love Tiftonia Baptist Church. I love my church family. And I believe y'all love us. I know it. Let me give you a few things. We're going to quit. I want you to write them down. We're going to stand, church, on Bible doctrine. Let me give you a little acrostic and we'll go. Listen, number one, this is simple. If someone said, well, Pastor Mark, what are you? I'm a Biblicist, but I'm a Baptist. But we believe in Bible principles. I'm not scared of that name, and I'm glad that it's Tiftonia Baptist Church. It identifies with what we believe. Now, let me tell you what we believe. Baptist, number B, write it down, acrostic, B, Bible. Here it is. Bible's our sole authority. It's it. This is our guidebook. This is everything. This is it. This is why we do what we do. We preach salvation because that's what the Bible teaches. We believe in baptism after somebody gets saved because baptism has nothing to do with a man's salvation. It's a step after we get saved. You say, Pastor Mark, how do you know this? What the Bible teaches. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's through Jesus. The Bible is our sole authority on everything that we do here. 
Everything. Number two, A is autonomy. You say, Pastor Mark, why is that important? We're independent Baptists. What does that mean? Well, that means we're autonomous. We have a local governing body here. We do not have a headquarters except up in heaven. Somebody say amen. We don't have a headquarters in Dallas. We don't have a headquarters in Nashville. Our headquarters is in heaven. If there's a man or a woman in this church, they say, hey, God's called us to go to Myanmar. We're going to do everything we can do to get you there. And not try to tell you to go somewhere else because the board or the cooperative program said you can't go there. We're autonomous. We have, uh, we're autonomous. Hey, listen here. P, y'all ready? Priesthood of every believer. What's that mean? The priesthood of every believer means you can go to God through Jesus Christ yourself. You do not have to go through me or a priest. You can go to the Lord Jesus, to God the Father, through Jesus Christ. We believe that you can do that. You don't have to go through some hierarchy in the church. I believe that there is a spirit of God that can speak to you just as fast and as quick as he can speak to me. Can I say B-A-P-2, we believe in two offices of a church. Two offices, pastor and deacons. You can call them whatever you want to call them, but the Bible narrows it down to pastors and deacons. I believe, honestly, pastor, elder, and bishop all refers to the same office of the pastor. It's three different duties. But a deacon is a servant. That's what a deacon is. Two offices of the church. Hey, I, individual soul liberty. What does that mean? That means that you and me alone, individually, we are going to give an account for our life to God. What I do, I'm going to give an account to the Lord myself. I'm not going to be able to hide in a crowd. I'm not going to say, well, so-and-so made me do it. I am going to give an account of my life. S, am I doing it right? A saved church membership. We, we want people that serve around here, you've got to give it, when you join our church, we want to make sure you can give a testimony that you're saved. We want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you know there was a time in your life that you trusted Him. Because, see, this work is not something we put an ad in the paper and say, hey, we need help down here at the church. Only saved people are equipped to do God's work. Amen. Saved church membership. Can I say this? There's two ordinances of a church. The Lord's Supper and baptism. They're ordinances. The Lord Jesus gave them to the church. When someone gets saved, they follow the Lord in baptism. By the way, the last Sunday of the month, we're going to have a young lady follow the Lord in baptism. She's been asking her parents. They've been, she, she's asked every day, can she get baptized? She's excited. Shouldn't we all get excited? Amen. But that's an ordinance that God gave the church was baptism. The mode is important because it's, it's a picture of what the Lord Jesus has done. There's no saving power in that water. Then the other is the Lord's Supper. We always... Have the Lord's Supper on the week of Thanksgiving. We do that. I was taught that by somebody else. I wonder who. We need to. We need to. But the Lord's Supper is a picture 
of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and we take the grape juice, that's a picture of the Lord's blood that he shed for us and as often as we do, we do in remembrance. It should really be a revival time in our church. And then the last one is we believe in separation of church and state. In other words, let me translate. The government needs to keep their cotton-picking bit nose and fingers out of our business. Amen. Amen. It's the way the founding fathers, and whether even the founding fathers even did it that way because we have the individual soul liberty of God, we're going to give an account to him before we give an account to a, to a body of government. That's why every man chooses to serve and live how he wants to live as long as he's not breaking laws. Why? Because he's going to give an account to God. That's powerful. Now, I'm independent. I'm fundamental. I'm not scared of that word. All that means is, is we believe in the fundamentals of the faith. I, I believe that we, I believe in being a Baptist. I'm a Baptist by conviction. By the way, I have not always followed Baptist. I used to belong to Riverview Chapel. And again, I love those people. We differ on the plurality of elders. We differ on some other things, very small things. But I want you to know, when you join a Baptist church, by the way, some might disagree with this, but when I went off to Bible college, I got rebaptized. Now, I don't encourage, I don't tell everybody they have to do that because I was immersed in water. But the reason I did it, I wanted to be identified with Baptist doctrine. I'm passionate about it. Our mission is to give the truth. Our mission is to disciple people. Our mission is to get God's work done in this area and around the world. But listen to me, church. We want to do it with the right stand, with the right spirit, with love. Listen here. If somebody falls and fails, we're going to do everything to help them get up. I love the spirit of our church. I love the spirit of our church. And here's, here, here's why that's important. You say, Pastor, why do you get passionate about that? Because you really don't think about it till it's yours. You really don't think about it till it's your son. It's your daughter. It's your grandchild. And when I look at someone, I always try to look at someone like, if that was my son or my daughter going to that church, how would I want that church to be so loving and helpful to them. And I want us to be that kind of church. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to be honest. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? We're going to be gone in just a few moments. I heard B.R. Lakin say one time, we'd have revival if we get rid of a clock. I believe that's true. Everything we do, we've got to hurry. We've got to get done. We've got to schedule to keep. We've got to go get that fried chicken. Amen. But you know what? There's a whole lot more things more important than food. But can I ask you a question this morning? You say, Pastor Brandon, I'm here this morning. I am 100% sure. I am so thankful. I don't deserve it. But I know Jesus is my Savior. And I'm so very thankful. And by way of testimony, I just want to raise my hand. And say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. You, get, you have that testimony. Would you raise your hand? That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Can I ask this question? Now, with no one looking, can I ask, would you be honest? 
You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about it. There's not one soul looking. I, I would ask, would you please raise your hand? I promise you, I'll pray for you. Yes, sir. We're going to get someone to talk with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Can I ask this real quick before we close and give this invitation? How many of you glad you're part of a Bible-believing church? Can I ask you, if you could, could you find a place in this altar? And would you just pray and ask God to put a hedge of protection around us? And that we'll all stand consistently, compassionately, but continually. And God would bless and we see people saved and people grow in the Lord, new people come in. How many of you would you come? They're going to play something. Would you find a place in the altar and just pray this morning for your church ministry, your church, your class, your Sunday school class, the bus ministry. We need workers, church. If you've been attending our church and you love the church, listen, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you about coming and being a part of our church. Let's pray that we'll stand with the right spirit. The Bible's our guide. I've heard people say, well, I'm too old to turn back now. That ain't even why. <laughs> you don't turn back because you know where you're at's right. What the Bible teaches. Done all to stand. you lift your voice and close us in prayer this morning. Miss Laura, you want to go, we'll go to the back and shake hands. And uh, Brother Kevin, would you close?